Welcome to Make Money Count. This show was originally recorded live to air on News Talk 1010, where we may have used some music that we cannot redistribute through podcast platforms. If you'd like to hear the show in its entirety, please check out the show on YouTube, where the royalties are being paid to the artists. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Welcome in. Hey. Morning. Thanks for having us. No Red Hot Chili Peppers you, sir. I was, what's that? No Red Hot Chili Peppers today. I'll tell you what, we'll we'll find some for you. We will (laughs) will dig deep and see what we can do. I was just the important matters first, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And speaking of which, I was just on the GoFundMe page for a TD Bank, and apparently they're not getting (laughs) as much. Oh. It's not funny, is it? Yeah, no, that's not really. Not, not love that one. Today, uh, the, the 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 disparity between our Canada's big banks that are there for us uh, is just ridiculous, especially over this past year, guys. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get your opinions on this. The 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 thing that the banks keep throwing back is, yeah, well, with all the mortgage, with all the money crises in the past, you know, hundred years, our banks have been solid and stuff. There has to be an upper limit, though, on profits because it, it is absolutely ridiculous when, you know, the fees in my account alone are insane on a monthly basis. And I know it's not like I'm going to the banks anymore. It's not like I need to talk to someone over a counter. I'm doing pretty much all of it online anyway. Um, and yet and they just keep they just keep swinging back harder and harder. You know what? <clears throat> I think. It needs to be said that we actually have a banking crisis in Canada. And all you need to do is take a good look at the financial reports of the top five or six banks in Canada over the last 12 or so months. And in a period of time where we saw television commercials telling us that we're all in it together and we saw you know, these, these touching messages constantly <laughs> being sent our way by the banks. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Our Canadian banks profited, on average, $4,000 for every Canadian household. So just to, like, let's let that sink in. It's over $40 billion. And we're talking about a country with 10 million households. Canada's a relatively small country. And yet our banks consistently find themselves on the list of the most profitable and largest banks in the world. Now, the, the reason- catch there is, in all fairness, that the banks are responsible to the shareholders, not responsible to the clients. I mean, they, they're just not. They have a fiduciary responsibility to make money. The, the bottom line is, though, that, you know, as a government-controlled entity, do you think it's fair to suggest that there are some controls placed on there on profiteering? I mean, so they're not government controlled, uh, but they do exert control over the government in their incredible ability to lobby the government. Great I, now, point. my point here isn't that it's bad that our banks are so profitable. My point here is that every Canadian needs to be armed with this information. Every Canadian who thinks that they're going to do a better job than everybody else negotiating with their bank, every Canadian who thinks that their relationship with their personal banker means that they're going to receive preferential treatment, Canadians have to understand that they are the David to the bank's Goliath. 
you simply mm. cannot outmaneuver a bank. And, uh, you know, last week or two weeks ago, rather, we spoke briefly about a Bank of Canada report, uh, which we've got up on our website now and we can send out to whoever is interested. But the report simply detailed that the more loyal you are to one bank, the more profitable the bank will create that relationship for themselves. When you, like, when you read through the, the quarterly reports from the banks over this last quarterly period, certain things come to light really quickly. You mentioned your personal bank account. The banks increased their personal and commercial banking revenue anywhere between 6 and 15% in some cases over a period of time when Canadians were strapped for cash, over a period of time when the banks were receiving subsidies from the Canadian government, over a period of time when the Canadian employment wage subsidy was being paid to some of these banks. I, I just, I think we have to understand what we're dealing with, right? We've got to understand that as Canadians, we are super polite. We are super understanding and we'll bend over backwards for people. But we also have to understand that, like, listen, we're, our focus is mortgages and investments, okay? We do these things direct. We do these things directly with the consumer. We do our best every single time we're dealing with somebody to make sure that they get the most out of the deal that we're doing for them. And the way we do that is by circumventing some of the more conventional approaches that are typically seen in both of those industries. On the mortgage side, we deal directly with a borrower and we try to place them with a lender that meets their needs. A lender who will not have, um, for instance, an interest rate differential penalty on a mortgage similar mm. to the way they're calculated by the bank. On the investment side, we deal directly with our investors. We created an investment fund that we can manage. Therefore, there aren't middlemen in it. There aren't banks raising capital and charging fees and eroding people's investments. The more you can create, the more companies like ours begin to exist, and they, they certainly are, the more disruption we're going to be seeing in banking. And, and, and hopefully, these banks are going to have to change the way they earn their profits. I would have just liked to have seen that the Canadian banks made their profits from investment banking more, capital markets. Mm. I just hate seeing that you know, over a period of time when the banks are being supported by the government, and the banks are purporting to support the consumer, we end up with the banks reaping greater profits on things like net interest margins, which is the difference between what the banks are holding your savings at and lending you money at. Like, like certain things like that just leave a bad taste in my mouth. Why do you need but to Marcus, go for this? Marcus, right? isn't it also fair, though, that in your list of what Canadians are and what Canadians aren't, in so many different areas, Canadians are absolutely more than willing to pay a premium for ignorance. You know, whether it's renegotiating everything from their internet bill to their mortgage, there are absolutely, because if they weren't, you guys would have a line out the front door. They're willing to sit back and say, you know, all right, it's five, seven thousand, ten thousand. God only knows how many thousands a year. But rather than do something about it, I'm going to sit back, nod, and just continue on as I'm going. Yeah, you know what? It's all about education. I think that the more educated people become as to just how meaningful an impact something like you know a one percent interest rate you know, change on your mortgage can be, I think the more they start to understand it, and and the more, again, like companies like ours enter the market where it isn't so difficult, 
right? Like we're very transparent. We can provide you with all the information you need in order to make this decision. We're not really selling anything like that. We're providing you with a whole bunch of information in a clear and concise manner so that you can make the decision and give us the direction on what we should be doing for you. And if it doesn't make sense, if you're not going to save money, well, we're not going to do a deal with you. We're going to give you the advice that you need. And, and I think that as this information gets further and further into the minds of Canadians, we're going to see more and more Canadians go to mortgage brokers or independent mm -hmm. investment dealers. Like you're already seeing great commercials about why, you know, certain uh, online uh, brokerages have lower fees than the big banks. Mm. Why, you know, exchange traded funds might be better than certain bank held mutual funds. I I'll give you a little quick point. When you buy a, when you get a mutual fund sold to you at a bank, there are multiple classes of mutual fund shares. So you'll notice like, you know, an RBC mutual fund, global growth fund, A, B, C, D, E, and F. Each of those letters represents a different amount of commission that that bank is going to make on you. So if you're really savvy or you have lots of money with the bank, maybe you'll get an A or a B. But if you're an idiot, you're going to get an F. And, and that's the way the bank is, it's, it's basically sho shoving your face in it. Like, why, why isn't there just one class of share? This okay, but it's not, that's not fair. Hang on a minute, because that's not fair, Marcus. It's not because people are idiots. It's because people walk into the bank and have no question whatsoever that they are going to get the best deal as possible out of this big institution that they've probably been with for 45 years, and they walk in, throw their arms open, and say, all right, come at me. What do you have? It's not because they're an idiot. It's in short because they may, I mean, in the very true sense of the word, are ignorant. And in my opinion, they're being taken advantage of because of that. You know what? They're not idiots, but they're being viewed as idiots. The bank is looking Correct. at them Fair. as prey, right? It's predator prey right now. So the goal for any Canadian consumer is to try to get the most out of each and every one of these financial relationships that they have. And by putting an intermediary in between them and whoever they're dealing with, they can create, they can create great, great value for themselves. And in a lot of cases, is this after-tax money that we're talking about? Just before the break, guys, we were talking about, and I, I kind of said, you know, that there's a lot of people out there just wander into their bank, open their arms and say, you know, I've been with you for 30, 40 years. I trust you guys implicitly. Just tell me which direction to go in and I'll follow it. It's interesting that there was also an article I heard on the newscast this morning at some point talking about how Canadians are in for a really, really rude awakening in the next short while when interest rates increase. And doing the money show, I've also learned that Canadians have no clue what a 1% increase on their mortgage means. I've heard the scariest one I've heard is that the, the caller assumed it would just be an extra 10 bucks a month, you know, 1% of his monthly payment. Uh, why should he worry about that? I, yeah, listen, interest rates will have to increase. <clears throat> I think the Bank of Canada is, however, telegraphing to us that they're a lot more comfortable with inflation than a lot of our kind of leading economists are and um, the, the, the people that are, you know, ringing these alarm bells. We're in a really precarious position right now. We've got, <clears throat> excuse me, we got a, uh, we've got a, a lot of money that's come in to our economy. It's been, you know, created by our central banks and our government. And as a result, we're going to see upward pressure on asset prices. 
the issue is that if we increase interest rates too quickly and in an attempt to kind of tamp down this inflation that we're seeing, I mean, Canada just reported its largest inflation number in the last 10 years at 3.6%. So that's a big, scary number. However, I think the, the central bank believes that some of that inflation, a lot of that inflation is going to be transitory. And if that's the case, they, they, they'd rather be overly cautious instead of introducing higher interest rates. The other problem, and this is a little bit, this speaks a little more towards the balance sheet of the Canadian government, is that if we see interest rates rise too quickly, we are dealing with a government that has to pay more to service the debt that it's taken on. And that removes capital that is desperately needed for you know, all of these you know, publicly funded programs, all of this monetary fiscal stimulus that we've been seeing. So what I think we might see, and I mean, this is probably not going to be a really popular opinion, but I think you might see increases in taxation as a means to slow down the economy, if you will, and, and bring capital into the government, as opposed to an immediate increase in interest rates. Now, this would be a kind of effort in concert between the central bank and the government, which you know, is obviously a little bit delicate. But we do have to keep in mind that the same position that Canadian households are in, the Canadian government is in. And when you see that your debt servicing uh, requirements are becoming more onerous, you better believe that the central banks are, uh, sorry, the, the, the Canadian government, the American government, the governments around the world are as well. So it's, it's actually probably part of this kind of new monetary policy whereby if we see asset prices increase, we can tax people a little bit more. That taxation will hopefully slow down some of this inflation. We believe the inflationary pressure is somewhat temporary. So it's, it's probably not as immediate as we think, the increases in interest rates. That being said, about six months ago, we issued a report to all of our, uh, all of our clients saying it's time to lock into a fixed rate. You don't want to play this market too much. You know, if, um, if you were sitting there on the sidelines right now and you've got multiple properties and they're all in variable rate mortgages, we should probably have a discussion. You don't, it's like a portfolio, right? You don't want all of your exposure in the variable side. That being said, variable rates have done really well. We've got some amazing variable rates right now, but you will feel better. And I think you will do better with, with some fixed rate exposure, right? It's, it comes back to reversion, right? Everything always reverts back to the mean in some way. So if you see a really, really weird thing happening, like right now, variable rate on a five-year and a fixed rate on a five-year are very, very similar. That's not always the case. It shouldn't really be the case that five-year fixed rate money costs the same as completely variable rate money. And that's telling you that it is not anticipated that the Bank of Canada will be increasing interest rates too quickly. However, the other thing we know about the Bank of Canada is that they don't have to increase by just 25 basis points when they increase. Mm. They can increase by 50. Mm. They can increase by 75. So the same stimulus that we received at the start of the pandemic, where we saw consecutive 25, 50 basis point drops in, in the overnight rate, we will see as the removal of stimulus, and it will probably come faster than we anticipate. I think so. I think it's going to catch a lot of people off guard. 416-872-1010. 416-872-1010. 
Even is in Toronto. Good afternoon, Even. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Which question? Or comment? Was more of a statement. Uh, I just uh, was tuning into the radio uh, on my drive home here, and I uh, used these gentlemen about four months ago. I was referred by a friend of mine, and uh, to their credit, uh, I was able to get my mortgage down from uh, 3.5% and locked it in to uh, 1.78% and they got me out of my mortgage and did a fantastic job. So I just uh, appreciated that and I highly recommend these guys. Oh, my God. That's so great. That's amazing. Uh, Yvonne Vuxinic, Justin. You, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know who this is. Sorted me out really quickly. And uh, anyway, just, uh, you know, listening to you guys on the drive home uh, and uh, just wanted to say thanks and that uh, you guys did a fantastic job. Awesome. Thanks, thanks so much for giving us a shout. That's awesome. You are definitely getting Yeah, thanks a, very much for following up. You're definitely getting a Buka customer gift basket if you haven't yeah. got one already. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, it does illustrate, though, how, and I mean, this caller is as good an example as any of what kind of what I was touching on during the last segment, which is that there's a vast majority, I'm going to assume, of people sit back. They know that they're going to be paying thousands more this year because they paid thousands more last year than they needed to. But rather than, you know, take a few minutes and just invest in them, their time, they're just willing to sit back. And that must drive you guys crazy when you know that you have a better offering at the end of a phone line. You know what? Uh, hey, hey, Ian, it's Matthew here. I just uh, want to jump in on this one because I want to explain kind of like what we did for that past client. If you look at the almost 2% in savings and the guy's mortgage that we were able to save on him over the course of the year, He's no longer one of the profit, like the, the banks didn't profit off him this year. You know what I mean? He's no longer one of those $4,000 for his house home. If we saved him that amount of money, the, the banks didn't profit off him this year. So, you know what I mean? Like if, if more and more people take advantage of that low fixed rate, they're not able, the banks aren't able to capitalize off of it. So people should be making moves like that guy just did. And you know what? You can see by the last 10 cube, the last quarterly report, mm -hmm. that it didn't impact his bank's profit. So it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure that that, whatever it is, two points on, I mean, I don't know what his loan amount was, but let's say it's 500 grand. It's like 800 grand. Uh, 800 grand. So that's 16,000 bucks is much better off in his pocket than it is in the <laughs> bank's pockets. So just listen, this, you got to think of this as a game, right? It's a game and the winner of the game gets money. And we're on your side. Mm. You know, we're a tiny company. We are not like the Royal Bank of Canada is a, a market cap of $150 billion. I can assure you connect is nowhere near that. <laughs> but like all, yeah. all we are is just, we're a group of people. We are total geeks about mortgages. We love what we're doing on the investment side. We love helping people. Like you're going to see if, if you could see us all right now here we're all giddy with that phone call, right? Like, that's why we're doing what we do. Agreed. Nice. And, and one thing to point out, uh, uh, just, you know, um, he had, the only reason that we had gotten in touch with that caller is because someone was looking out for their friend and told them to give us a shout. Oh, that's a good point. So, you know what I mean? Like, like you know, treat it as you would, you know, giving someone good advice or, or, or telling them what patio to go to because patios are reopened. 
You know what I mean? Like, you know, point them in that direction and 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 look out for your friends because yeah. he would never have found us if, if it was sixteen thousand dollars in the savings is a lot of patio beers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> for sure, it is. Yes, yeah. your patio. Sure he's getting lantern. ready to take the office lantern. out. Check out C A N N E C T dot C A, and I'm joined this hour by founder CEO of Connect, Marcus Zafaris, also uh, Justin Turner, principal broker. And uh, Matthew Scanlon. Guys, it is, it is in all fairness, it's the easiest game in the world to trash the big banks. I mean, they're big, uh, you know, and for the shareholders, they make money, they do their job. Let's just be clear that what we're doing here is just saying that there are options. And I am saying that there are a lot of lazy people out there who, I mean, as, as somebody might put it, who's not me and who's a lot politer than I am, who, uh, you know, they've got a lot more money than sense in that they're willing to throw that year in and year out. And, you know, as we had a caller last hour, uh, uh, sorry, last uh, segment call in about, you know, this is this is an area where people can save many thousands of dollars, not just a one-off, but a year, and that adds up. Well, just give us a second here. I don't think that it's just laziness, right? I think it's, there. we're being kind of placated right now. Right? Like we've got these massive marketing budgets of these banks. They're these extremely successful businesses. They do a really good job of making us feel comfortable. It's one of the things that they know they need to do. They know they need to cross-sell products to their consumers. They know they want more of a customer's wallet, more of a customer's attention. And when they do that, they know they can be more profitable. So you're a customer. You got to know what the tips, what the tricks are that are being used against you in order to combat them and in order to make sure that their hand isn't in your wallet, right? We aren't all in this together, right? You're in this, you're in this financially. You got to figure this out. You know what? You are rich. You might not be richer than you think. I, I know there's so many of these stupid slogans out there, but Canadians just have to have to look at this one thing at a time. And I know I get it. Like it can look daunting. You got to look at your mortgage. You got to look at your savings account. How much am I paying? Should I move my savings account over to a credit union? Should I go to Tangerine? Oh, wait a second. Tangerine's owned by Scotiabank, right? Like there's so many little places you can fall, but there's such great information out there right now. And Connect is built with salaried employees who are extremely well-educated, who know all the products that are available in the market. We're built to provide you with this sound, unbiased mortgage advice. And we are not the only amazing company like this that does this. And there are more of them. When I first started in mortgages, I think it was like 15 to 20% of Canadians used mortgage brokers. I remember going to my first mortgage conference and I was so excited. And I went to that conference and I thought, you know, this is just, this is the best. Like us mortgage brokers, we are totally helping Canadian consumers. How come only like one in five Canadians wants to use a mortgage broker? And I remember, you know, one of the guys there, an older mortgage broker said, you know, we'll follow what's going on in the United States. It always happens in each of our financial markets. And in the United States, it's 85% of consumers that use a mortgage broker. They don't go directly to their bank. They know not to go to their bank. And now in Canada, we're over 40% using mortgage brokers. And that number is only going to increase. It's going to increase for lots of reasons. It's going to increase, yes, because of the internet, but it's also going to increase for callers like that Evan guy that just called in, whose friend used a mortgage broker. 
and realized how great it was, what a difference it was. It's also this demographic shift. My mom and dad would never have used a mortgage broker. I mean, I, I actually convinced them to use me once at towards the end when they were finishing their mortgage. But that there's, there's kind of this demographic shift where this newer kind of more savvy generation when it comes to, you know, internet and knowing more options and searching for a good deal, these people are creating a pull in the marketplace for, for less garbage, right? They, they're not going to stand for being told something that isn't factual. They're not going to stand for being peddled a rate that isn't what they should be receiving. And we're going to see it more and more. So as we see an increase in the number of people using mortgage brokers, just like the Bank of Canada report predicted 15 years ago, as the, as the dominance of mortgage brokerages comes into this marketplace, the banks will become less profitable when they sell residential mortgages. And just to anecdotally, this happened once before. What I'm talking about here, you know, they always say that, you know, the future is always just a recreation of what happened in the past. We saw this happen. If you remember, I mean, I remember I was a kid, but there was TD Bank and there was Canada Trust. There was Royal Trust. Canada had a lot of really successful trust companies. And when those trust companies gained momentum, what we saw happen in the Canadian mortgage market was we saw the exact same thing that's happening now with mortgage brokers. We saw the discount on Canadian mortgages directly correlated to the market share increase of those trust companies. And then at a certain point, there's a graph. We've got it available on our website. At a certain point, the Canadian banks started gobbling up those trust companies. They paid huge premiums. They incorporated them in and TD Bank became TD Canada Trust. And then once that happened, the discount on Canadian mortgages dropped again and people started paying posted rates. And that's when we saw mortgage brokers enter into the market. This is an evolution. This is something that will continue to happen in any market. The problem is, is that these banks are so dominant, they're so powerful that they can hold off competition. They really can. I remember when the TD Canada Trust, I've still got my Johnny Cash card, but I was a, I was, I was at a Canada, I used Canada Trust because I didn't like TD. I mean, that was the bottom honest line of a TD had no time for me whatsoever. And this is going back many, many years. Meanwhile, I'd walk into Canada Trust, a friendly, you know, hey, how's it going? Da, da, da. They were actually in the main floor of the radio station. And uh, it was just a completely different experience. And you're right, just slowly but surely, all these trust companies vanished. You're listening to The Mortgage Show here on News Talk 1010. Mark is in Toronto. Mark, good afternoon. Welcome in. Good afternoon. Uh, so I have a question. Um, I, right now, I've been waiting. I've been trying to find a new mortgage with my bank um, because the mortgage that we signed originally was at the beginning of the pandemic. It was a bad mortgage. It was a fixed rate mortgage. I missed out on the bears, like when everything uh, uh, went down. Um, and it was just a bad signing and a bad advice for my bank. Right now, I was waiting to find a new mortgage with them. It took them four months. My credit has tanked. What I want to know is how do I get out of this moment? Okay. So listen, this is not an uncommon story, Mark. So like you can't beat yourself up for it. Uh, 
I wish we could have spoken at the start of this pandemic. Listen, you haven't missed out on anything, right? The only issue is that the length of time that you're in your existing mortgage will have an impact on the cost to break it. So if you're in the first six months of that mortgage, it is very likely that the penalty to break your mortgage is just going to be three months interest. I don't know if you want to let me know what bank you're with. Um, yeah, well, yeah, with Royal Bank. Okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. They're not listening, Mark. <laughs> if, they, if they are, if they are, they're coming for me first. <laughs> okay. So um, what, there's, you've, got, you've got some options. Now, your credit tank, uh, were, this new mortgage that you were looking to do, you were looking to pull out some equity in order to kind of sustain yourself over the rest of this COVID thing? Sorry, I can't hear you. Uh, sorry. Okay, I'm just going to talk, and then whatever you can pick up, pick up, and then if not, you can call in after um, and speak to one of our agents. But I'll say this. As long as you have equity in your home, which it sounds like you do, you shouldn't just be going right back to Royal Bank. Your options right now, what I would say is the first thing we got to do is we got to analyze exactly what the penalty to break your mortgage is. We got to figure out what the interest rate on your mortgage is and what they're offering you. Because I guarantee you, even the rate that they're offering you, this mortgage that you've waited four months for now, you're probably still a couple months away and the mortgage rate is probably still garbage. So I think we can definitely get you a better rate. We should make an analysis as to whether you want to go variable or fixed. We got to figure out what tanked your credit. And I think that we can use the same equity in your home to fix that credit. And if need be, like, like I've been mentioning in the past shows, we have our own mortgage fund, which we can lend money as low as 4% in some cases, $399, in order to supplement whatever capital requirement you have to improve your credit. Guys, just before uh, we were speaking with Mark in Toronto, and Mark echoed, uh, as, as I think we talked about it on our first show, and I'm sure a bunch leading up to that, and that is the reality that, you know, 18 months ago, we have listeners out there that were sitting with a credit score of around 800 and very well may now be looking at something down around six through no fault of their own. And you could hear the, you know, you could hear the trepidation, Mark's voice, you know, not sure if he has options or not. Yeah, it, listen, everyone's in the same boat right now. So this fear of your credit score being too low, get rid of it. It's okay. Credit goes down, credit goes back up again. The easiest way for someone like Mark to fix his credit is to take the items that he's got on his credit report off of his credit. There's a really, really weird little game that happens at the bank. You gotta understand this. When you get a mortgage from a bank, more often than not, you're asked to take what's called a collateralized mortgage charge, which means that they want to register a mortgage for greater than the amount of money that they give you. So you get a million dollar house and you're getting a $600,000 mortgage. Depending on the bank, they'll ask you to register a mortgage charge for a million dollars, or in some cases, 125% of the value of the home, $1.25 million. And when you sign for that paperwork, what they'll tell you is that this is in your best interest. Because it means the next time you ever want to borrow money from us, you don't have to deal with pesky lawyers. We already have a charge registered on your home. We'll just give you more money. It'll be super easy. The problem is, is that the stress test that's been implemented and the onerous requirements on underwriting that the banks have 
and the way banks favor new borrowers over existing borrowers will almost always prevent you from getting more money on that mortgage. What it won't prevent you from getting is unsecured credit. So you'll go into your bank, and this is probably why Mark's credit tanked. He was probably offered unsecured credit. Hey, Mark, you know, you got a million-dollar house. You got a $500,000, $600,000 mortgage. We are in the middle of doing your new mortgage for you. Sorry, it's taking four months. We realize you might have an immediate capital requirement. Why don't we give you a $50,000 line of credit? Because there's no real regulation on how Hmm. much I can give you in an unsecured fashion or what interest rate I can charge you for that. The moment that happens, that $50,000 line of credit gets registered on Mark's credit report and he starts using it. His credit score does not go up. It goes down. The moment that the entirety of that $50,000 line of credit has been utilized, which is what Mark was told it was for, his credit score really starts to go down. Mm, mm. At which point, Mark might go back into the bank and say, hey, guys, what's going on? How's the mortgage coming along? Sorry, Mark. But what we can do in the meantime is we'll give you this new visa. (laughs) Mark takes the visa. Mark Mm. then utilizes the visa. Guess what happens to his credit score after the visa? It's not going up. It's going down again. Now Mark's sitting there with seventy-five dollars or $100,000 worth of unsecured credit. It is wrapped around his credit score, and it is driving his credit score down. But what we all need to understand here is that those two unsecured credit items, which are very likely priced at between 10 and 22% interest, still have the same security as the original mortgage charge because the bank has a collateralized mortgage charge on his home. There is no difference, essentially, to the amount of security that the bank holds over Mark. How is it possible that Connect, a tiny little company, can give Mark capital within 24 hours? How is it possible we can approve him in a minute and provide him capital within 24 hours at a price that is reflective of the risk that we take on? Which, in Mark's case, if he's got enough equity in home, is very little. You know, these types of questions are what you need to ask yourself because these are the questions and the answers to these questions you're not going to like, but they're also the reasons why $4,000 for every single Canadian home is going into the net profit numbers of the Canadian banks. We all have to wake up. Marcus, it's also a great illustration what you were just saying of how people want to build back their credit uh, score, but if they don't understand what they're doing, by what they they think they're doing the right thing by amassing more credit, they could very well be jeopardizing any kind of, of rebuild progress. Yeah. You can't just listen to one person at your bank branch. Mm. I mean, I'm, here's another little fun fact. Guess who doesn't need a license to practice in mortgages? Mm-hmm. Anybody who sells you a mortgage out of a bank branch. Mm. Not required under the National Housing Act. Why? Well, it probably has something to do with how great the banks are at lobbying the federal government. But how could you possibly listen to somebody that doesn't know any product other than the one product their bank is selling you? So when somebody at your bank is telling you, don't worry, take the unsecured credit, it's not going to impact your credit score, you are playing a very dangerous game with that capital. If you don't know the exact amount of time you need your money for, if you don't know how you're going to pay that money back, and better yet, Can you imagine now you're taking unsecured credit from somebody that stands to make a sizable profit from you 
and you're relying on them to reduce your cost of capital so that they can make less money, of course it's going to take four, six, nine months to get your mortgage. You know, it's very difficult when we kind of curate our advertising, how to speak to the right borrower. Because it's hard to, to say to somebody, you know, you didn't get told no from your bank. You've been told nothing from your bank for six months, but you're still waiting for an answer. Really hard to reach that person. But that is, I would say, the most common situation that Canadians find themselves in are playing this evil waiting game where month over month their debt service costs are rising, which speaks directly to these net interest margins that the banks are reaping profit out of. And every single month, these consumers are paying more and more on their debt servicing, and they're waiting for their bank to rescue them. Don't wait for your bank to rescue you. Ian, just before we go, I have this email that I that I really wanna I really wanna jump into very quickly. I don't know if we're gonna have enough time, but 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 um, so so I did get an email that was really interesting. So <clears throat> I'm living in Toronto, and I'm coming up for renewal, and it seems that Connect has much better options than my bank. They are offering me something like 2.2%. I am also a private banking client and have seen some success with my investments lately, but generally they're just, uh, they really just hover around my initial investment. Saw your website and that your return is very steady. And I'd love to hear uh, more about that as well. Um, so listen, a couple of weeks ago, I, I wanted, um, I, I was trying to get one of, uh, an, uh, one of your avid listeners and one of my clients to come on the radio, but I think she was a bit nervous. Um, and and it was interesting because you know um, we gave her an option. So this basically, is probably going to have to wait for next week. Yeah, like I think one it's minute gonna, left. Okay, we're going to have to wait for next week. <laughs> and, and, and there's a lot of good stuff in here, so we're going to wait for. You're next amazing. Week. I love how excited you got about that. Yeah, you should. Yeah, <laughs> I did have a big smile. We'll start next show off. We'll start next this. show with this. Yeah. Ian, you're good with that. There you go. Absolutely, guys. You got 30 <laughs> seconds. Tell me why someone should get in touch with Connect.ca. Well, I mean. First of all, it's always a great phone call. Everyone's fun. 100%. And we don't even have to talk about mortgages. Well, you know what? Maybe what we'll do is this week, it will be a bank helpline. So you could just call us to complain about your bank. And we'll nice. be on the other end of the line. All we'll do is listen. We'll just say things like, mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> been there. Yeah, been We're there. We're out of that. time, guys. Thank you so much. As always, <laughs> Thank a you, very Ian. interesting show. Really appreciate it. <laughs>